Rodrigo Nunez, and this is The Last Best Thing. It's an interview show centered around one question. What is the last best thing you've watched, read, listened to, or eaten? I ask this question because people love talking about whatever they're enthusiastic about, and I love hearing about it. On today's show, I'm joined by Kristen. Hi, I'm Kristen. Kristen is a podcast host for the premier Turkish TV review show there exists on the internet, Dizzy for Dizzy, and is also one of the most voracious readers I've ever met. So naturally, her answer was about the last best thing she's read. And the last best thing I read was a book called In the Fields by Willow Astor. From there, we spent a good amount of time talking about what exactly is a romance novel and the stigma about romance novels, especially because this story doesn't sound like any romance novel that I had in my mind. Then we went on to talk about physical versus Kindle books. We talked about having emotional reaction to books and exactly how does one read fast or is it genetic or is it a learned behavior? Overall, it was a really fun conversation. I hope you enjoy it because I certainly did. I hope it gives you a different perspective on what the romance genre is and maybe opens your eyes to try different genres, maybe like sci-fi or something that you wouldn't normally read. Um, anyway, sit back and enjoy um, this conversation with Kristen. For me, it was one of those books that just reeled you in. Like, I'm a big reader, so I feel like I read a lot and so... There are books that I enjoy and I'll take my time to get through them. But then there's just those books that like the second you start reading it, you know, like, oh, shoot, I'm probably not going to do anything else until I finish this. <laughs> and that's what this one was for me. It it was written several years ago, but it just sort of popped into my orbit from a couple of friends who had recently read it hmm. and um, their reading tastes are similar to mine. So I thought, you know, what, I'm going to give it a try. It's in Kindle Unlimited. Okay. So I just decided to give it a try and... As soon as I started it, I could just tell it was one of those books that was going to like pull me in. So um, and it did like the writing is just really well done. It's very descriptive. So I just sort of felt like I was in in what was happening in the book. Okay, that. Yeah, I, I definitely identify with what you're talking about, where there are some books that you just as soon as you start them, you're like, oh, man, this thing got me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and. So what type of book is in the fields? Because I haven't read it. I've never heard of Willow Astor. But um, so what type of book is it? What genre or whatever? So it's it's I think it's classified under a couple different genres, but mostly it's considered a romance novel. Okay. Um, and, you know, romance can come with can come with some stigmas uh, yes. behind it. <laughs> but this was so much more than that. Like it wasn't just. The love story was was there, but it wasn't even the central thing happening. It was um, these two main characters just sort of going down the path that they didn't really have any other choice but to go down because it's set in 1970s small town Tennessee, and it's about a white girl and a black boy, and they're in high school. So it's kind of, I guess you could say, coming of age, but I don't really consider it YA because it covers some pretty heavy subject matter. Okay. Um, yeah. So it just, the setting and the story just reeled me in. It just felt, um, it felt like I was reading someone's biography, which, you know, I, it very well could be. I think you touched on something that I 
that I think is true that romance novels kind of have this stigma to them. Like mm -hmm. as soon as you said romance novel, I'm imagining Fabio on the cover, you know, a dude with uh -huh. long yes. hair, shirtless. And then you say yes. 1970s Tennessee and I'm like, wait a minute, it's uh -huh. Fabio a uh, redneck in this book or something <laughs> like that. So I, but it sounds very much like it is not that, like it's not a, a book that's just, you know, it sounds even like Twilight is more of a romance novel than this one because it yeah. seems like it deals with real issues. Um, how how does the how does the author address like racism and stuff like that in the book? Absolutely. Um, so the main character, the heroine's name is Caroline. Uh, the hero's name is um, Isaiah, hmm. and she she just basically she comes at it from first person perspective. So you're reading most of the book from Caroline's point of view. Okay. Um, there's a few chapters you get in Isaiah's point of view, okay. which is kind of cool to switch perspectives like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, she just starts out, she lays the kind of setting for what life is like in this small town. And she, um, Caroline's in a family where her dad is an alcoholic. So he's just sort of checked out of life. And her mom basically resents the life that she has because she used to be a beauty queen and she just kind of had to settle for this life that she has. So there's kind of some, you know, parent abandonment and okay. things like that in there. And so she kind of has to grow up real fast and um, kind of makes her an old soul. Okay. And she met Isaiah at school and they just sort of clicked like they became friends. And then that just starts to grow into something more special. But mm. Because it's in 1971, small town Tennessee, they cannot be seen together. Yeah. Um, so the time they do spend together is rare mm -hmm. and it's secretive. You know, they're walking like this secret path home from school just so they can walk home from school together and talk about their days. Um, phone calls are very well timed and they, you know, they wind up being pretty short. Yeah. But it's just you sort of get this picture painted of um, what life was like back then and it just even though I you know I quote know about this mm. it just felt so eye-opening to have it like in front of my face like that yeah in story form like wow this is something that people have gone through and as far as we've come like I know this is still a reality for a lot of people yeah definitely and I I think that's the power of fiction or even just storytelling to an extent yeah. is that we know things like okay we know that racism was a thing we know about the civil rights movements and all that stuff but right. you don't really identify with it i remember one of the stories that i read one time was like about a lunch counter i, I don't even remember what it was and it was probably like in, in one of those anthology books like in in high school english and it was about like a lunch counter and getting kicked out of the lunch counter and going to the back and i knew that because like, oh, okay, there was protest sit-ins or whatever. But until I read it in right. that story and just kind of how embarrassing it felt to be kicked out yes. and how dehumanizing. And it kind of put it in a whole new context for me. So that that's the power of storytelling where it can take something that we know, but give mm -hmm. us that whole emotional outlook on it or kind of just help put you there. So yes. yeah, that's that's super interesting. Yeah, so that's what it did for me. And it was just like, oh my gosh. So I just had to know like, what was going to happen in their lives. And, you know, so this, this secret kind of carries on for a while, but you know, it's a small town. People are going to see things think, you know, it's just, things are going to get found out. And, um, there is a major event that happens and 
I won't spoil it just in case anyone <laughs> actually wants to read this book. And I think yeah. you should. Um, but basically that this major event completely tears them apart. Wow. And this, this, um, event happens in a field. So it's where the title comes from in the fields ah. and they are torn apart and they just both sort of realize the danger that they're putting one another in. Um, especially him as a young black man, like, you know, he's going to be viewed as this, um, like bad guy enemy, you know, he's, he's traipsing around with a white girl and, you know, if anything's going to happen, it'll be to him because, in that kind of town in those circumstances, everything's going to be blamed on, on him. Yeah. And you know, wow. Okay. This sounds really intense. This, it is. <laughs> this it's really sounds intense. like a, like it make a really, like when you were talking about it right away, I imagined these like wheat fields. I don't know what they were growing. <laughs> but, and then like a crowd chasing them down. Or I don't know if that's just my mind, but it sounds very yeah. cinematic. Yeah. It was. Yeah. I would totally love to see this in movie form. <laughs> Um, but anyways, yeah, so it is intense, but so this thing tears them apart. So they wind up having to go their separate ways. So a lot of the book you're seeing her journey and having to rebuild her life as this young woman who doesn't really have parents looking out for her, um, him just devastated by, you know, the fact that they've been separated and that life just isn't fair because of the color of his skin. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, they both go on, they, you know, this book takes place over the course of like six years. So wow. you follow the things that they go through over the course of six years. And so, um, on top of just, you know, that love story, you're finding, you kind of find and learn like family is what you make it because she kind of has to build her own family and support network for herself once she flees town. Mm. Um, and just that, you know, that you have the power to choose your family. Mm. And, um, yeah, so it's like, it's, it's love in all its forms, not just romantic form, you know, like she meets, you know, someone who kind of becomes like a dad to her. She meets, yeah. you know, there's a woman who's kind of like this mother, grandmotherly type figure in her life, sisterly. Um, but they're all people that she's met along the way. Um, yeah. So how yeah. exactly is this a romance novel? Because <laughs> I, I don't see, see <laughs> I don't see Fabio in any of these nope. scenes. <laughs> yeah. And hey, you know, I will say don't don't diss the Fabio novels. I have a stack of those from like the 70s and 80s. But yeah, that's totally what people think of when they think of a romance novel is yeah. like this Joanna Lindsay novel with. Yeah, literally with Fabio on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It does not sound anything like that. You know what I was thinking of when you were telling all these stories? I'm like, wait a minute. Is 1984 a romance novel? <laughs> <laughs> right? There's all this forbidden yeah. love and hiding and walking around. Yeah, and absolutely. Like, what would be classified as a romance novel if it just stretched that much? Because this does not sound at all like one. It actually sounds very engrossing and kind of intense and like it touches mm -hmm. on, on almost every aspect of life. So Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. So, and you know, and that's not to say every romance novel does that, but, okay. um, you know, there's, there's a lot that do. And I think they just get misjudged because they happen to have the label of like contemporary romance or historical romance. Um, and people kind of tend to have a preformed opinion about, you know, that it's not going to be well written or it's just, you know, um, f all fluff yeah, <laughs> and that sort of thing. No. Yeah, definitely. That. I have that misconception for sure. Like walking through bookstores or whatever, the romance section is never one that I even consider walking mm -hmm. through. But this story sounds way yeah. more involved than than 
than what I expected, which is kind of eye-opening for me. Yeah. So let me ask you something. How long did it take you to finish this book from beginning (laughs) to end? (laughs) So I started it on, I want to say it was Tuesday night or Monday (laughs) night. And which was a mistake. It was like 930 at night. And I thought, what am I thinking? I'm not going to sleep tonight. And I didn't. I stayed up until four in the morning um, (laughs) finishing the book. (laughs) That that is you took seven hours nonstop (laughs) to read this book. I did. Wow. I completely did. I took a quick break went because I was reading out in my living room. Like I have a little reading corner Uh and I thought I'm going to actually go to bed. Maybe I'll like get tired while I read in bed. But Mm -hmm. I so I like got ready for bed and then I just picked up where I left off, but I could not put it down. There was like not a good place where I thought, okay, there's like a good stopping place here where I'm kind of happy with where things are so I can hold off until I wake up. It just didn't happen. So <laughs> it just kept going at that. Yeah, that is very impressive because honestly, I, I've never done that. I, I don't think I've ever picked up a book and finished it all in one sitting. How wow. o- how often does that happen to you? <laughs> <laughs> um, probably more often than I should be willing to admit. Um, but like I read 153 books last year. Wow. So I and probably a good. 50 of those I probably read start to finish wow and yeah that is that is a lot I think that's <laughs> that's the most I've ever heard of now are these so you this one was on the kindle right are these books yes. are these are most of these on the kindle or are they physical M- books most of them are I just you know I love a I love a good book mm-hmm. like an actual physical book mm-hmm. but there is just something so convenient about a Kindle. And I actually own two. I call one my purse Kindle and one my home <laughs> Kindle. <laughs> yeah, it's it's bad. So I like to read on my Kindle just because I can take it with me anywhere mm-hmm. and, um, and basically have a slew of books to choose from while I'm in a waiting room or in line or whatever. Um, so I own physical books, but it's funny. I usually will try to borrow it from the library or um, borrow it from the digital library on my Kindle first. And if it's a book I like really loved, like this one, Mm -hmm. um, this one I read through Kindle Unlimited. But as soon as I finished, I was like, oh, no, I want this actual book for my bookshelf. So I ordered a paperback of it. Oh, okay. So your your bookshelf is more of the curated collection that you really enjoyed? Yes. Okay. That's See, a really good way to put it. Yes. Yeah. I kind of have that too, because, well, there's like a section on on my bookcase that I'm like, okay, these are the ones I really liked. And mm-hmm. I, I have them like on eyesight just in case I want to tempt people to like talk to them about them with yes. me. Yes. <laughs> yes. I have a book on my coffee table that I finished last month that I was like, oh, I want this out because if someone sees that, I want them to be like, oh, what's that book? And then I can tell them about it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's, that's one of the things that I like the most about physical books that you don't get with the Kindle. It's just that thing of like, oh, someone can look at it and we can talk about it. I yes. also do the same thing with movies. I, I still buy Blu-rays for the mm-hmm. ones that I really, really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I like having them somewhere where it's just like, oh, what's what's what? I, I heard about Parasite. What happened in Parasite? Right. And there I'm talking about Parasite for 30 minutes. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I mean, just like with a Kindle, I mean, the battery holds pretty well. You can download the books are physically downloaded to it. So if you don't have an internet connection, any book you've downloaded is available. But if I if there were to be an outage or a power outage or whatever, once that thing dies, I have no access to it. So <laughs> yeah. 
that's why, like, no, I still need my physical books so that I can pick those up no matter what. So it's like the same idea with movies. Like if your internet goes out, it doesn't matter that you own a um, cloud copy of it. You, yeah. if you, if you have the physical one, you can watch that anytime. Yeah, definitely. Um, now when was, do you remember the first time you ever got so engrossed in a book you can't, you couldn't put it down? Hmm, the first time? Yeah, or maybe like the most significant time, the one that you're like, oh yeah, I'm a reader after this. <laughs> it was probably, I was pretty young. I was probably in element, I was in elementary school and my parents had bought me um, Little House in the Big Woods. Okay. Which is part of the Little House on the Prairie series by Laura Ingalls Wilder. It's the first book. Okay. And I was probably in third or fourth grade hmm. and I started reading it and I remember being in my room like under the covers with a flashlight because I was supposed to be in bed <laughs> like <laughs> sounds, and I was <laughs> it sounds like a Norman Rockwell poster <laughs> yeah, it really does yeah you know they weren't fooled because a flashlight definitely shows under the blanket but yeah. they they let me stay up reading it because they I think they were just happy that I was interested and so I wound up flying through that series and yeah that's like the first time I really remember like being totally into a book and mm. just not being able to put it down. I had something similar to me. It was the book Hatchet by Gary Paulson, I think. And I okay. think I think almost every young boy who doesn't even like reading likes Hatchet. Yeah. Because it's, you know, the, this kid gets, he crashes into the wilderness and he finds a I've way to that, survive. I've read that book. I've totally yeah. read that book. Right. It's it, And like I remember reading, I was probably like in fourth grade also, and I just couldn't put it down. And I could, I remember that's the first book where I actually visualized it. Yeah. Like I could see it in my mind's eye and I was like, whoa, this is like a magical book or something like yes. that. Yes. That's such a sign of a good writer when you actually feel like you're watching a movie in your head while mm. you're reading. Yeah. And I remember also that's the first book that elicited like an emotional response from me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like something that I really couldn't couldn't contain. Um, yeah. that I just like I had to react. And the last one that did that for me was actually one of the Game of Thrones series. I don't know if really? you have, have you read them. I haven't. My sister has, and she's like, "You have to start them. They're kind of daunting because they're so long. They are very long, but they're not hard to read. And, okay. Yeah, and he's like a he, he's he has a really good rhythm and flow to his and and it's like first person view, so you get a lot of inner thoughts and things like that. Yeah. But I remember back when the show first started. Um, I think after like the second episode, I was like, okay, I'm going to read these books. And I ordered all of the books and I started reading them. And mm -hmm. then it got to the point where I think it was, uh, I don't know if it's a, it's a third book, A Storm of Swords. And that book itself is longer than the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Wow. <laughs> Just in terms of word count. So it's like, it's a big book. And it got to this point where kind of nothing was happening really. So I just put mm -hmm. it down. And I had a, a friend who had already read them all. And he told me, where are you in this book? And if you've seen the show or, or if you've read the books, it was right before the Red Wedding. Okay. And I told him. Yeah, I haven't watched it, but I, I mean, just being on the Internet, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Red Wedding is this pivotal thing where everything goes crazy. Yeah. And um, I told them they're about to go to some wedding or something. But I'm, I'm, I told them I'm probably going to take like a week off or two because it's a long book and I want to take a break. And he was like don't stop now uh -huh. just keep going and I was like okay whatever he's like no no seriously keep going and uh I was like all right so it was already something kind of like yours it was late at night it was probably like 11 or something like that so I just started reading and when it got to that point 
I remember like the best way I could describe it was it was word vomit in my mind uh-huh, where uh-huh. I couldn't believe what was happening. And yes. I was like so distressed by it that uh-huh. like my the word like my mind was just kind of like my eyes were like back and forth in the page. And when it happened, I like slammed the book shut and threw it across the room. Yes. <laughs> I was I've- like, no. I have like totally thought before I'm going to like throw my Kindle across this room right now. And it's like when something like that's happening and you realize like something big's happening, it's almost like you can't read what's happening fast enough. And it's yeah. like the words I, I'll, I've had to go back and reread like paragraphs a couple times because I realize I'm reading it so quickly because I just want to know what's happening <laughs> that my mind can't actually process it as quickly as my eyes are like soaking the words in. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It felt like. I was, you know, when you're walking down the stairs and then you like miss a step. So you go down really fast, the rest of them Uh and don't fall. That's what it felt like in my mind. Yes. And I was just like, oh, I want to feel that again. But I haven't had a book give me that in a while. (laughs) Yeah. So well, then once it once it happens and it's like you feel like that sets a new bar for it. Yeah. And then it's like harder for it to happen again. Yeah. But those are great moments that Mm -hmm. no matter how great a movie is, I don't think you can't you can't feel that in a movie even when that happened in the show or other shocking things in tv shows it it's not the same feeling it's just it's not, not experienced the same way nope and it's not it's not what's happening in your mind's eye the picture's already being painted for you by mm. someone else yeah um yeah so i know nope, i get it there's nothing there's nothing like reading and i know it's like super cliche <laughs> to say but i have there've been i think i can count like one movie that I've actually said I think I enjoyed more than the book. Really? Mm-hmm. And and that would just and that's the or like the original Anne of Green Gables. Okay. That was put out by gosh, Ashley would be able to tell me the network, but it was actually made in Canada. Okay. And it's with it's the one that stars Megan Follows. And um yeah, I I love that movie so much that I've probably wa- rewatched that more than I've reread the book. Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. um, what do you think of the Anne without the E on Netflix? I've never even watched it because okay. <laughs> I just, I feel like I have, I love the way it was done back in the like 80s when they first started the, that, because it's like a three movie series. Okay. Um, and I just love that one so much. I thought I, I'm probably going to just prejudge it and I'll probably already <laughs> hate it. So I, it's probably better that I just don't watch it. Okay. Yeah, I've heard a lot of positive things about it, but I think most of the people that really like it, I don't think they've read the book. Um, so I, I, another thing I wanted to ask you is, mm-hmm. how exactly do you read that fast? <laughs> the reason that I um, ask is, I'll, I'll, right now it's you know we're all in shelter in place or safer right. at home or whatever you want to call it. It's like a quarantine, right? Like a mini quarantine. Yes. And I have a feeling that almost everyone I know is doing a lot of reading, including mm-hmm. myself. But I haven't gotten any better at it. I don't think. <laughs> Um, that I got, gosh, that's so hard. My mom's a really fast reader and so okay. is my sister. So part of me is like, I wonder if there's some genetic component to that. <laughs> like Ashley always tells me the same thing. She's like, she's like, how do you read so fast? Like <laughs> I, she had read the, she had read in the fields before I did. So mm. I was like texting her all throughout the night as things were happening. <laughs> and so she woke up to this like slew of text messages and, um, she was like, you wait, you finished it. <laughs> I was like, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I just read really quickly and I would not call myself a speed reader. Like there's Mm. people who read that. I'm like, how do you even, how do you even remember anything that happened? Like, yeah, they'll read like 
30 books in a month. That's like a book a day. And I just, that I don't know how they can do that. Cause they would have to do what I do every, what I did with this book. They'd have to be doing that every single night. And I just don't know how you would live life also (laughs) or sleep ever. And I guess kind of going back for the listeners, Ashley, that you mentioned is your good friend and co-host on your podcast. Correct. Uh, Dizzy for Dizzy. Yes. And you would have heard Ashley on this podcast also talking about Little Women, which is another book slash movie yeah. uh, combo. So, yeah, I just kind of wanted to bring that up. So to establish the universe here. <laughs> no, but yeah. yes. Sorry. No, it's fine. I know of people also that at least like it's I don't know if this if it's really true, because mm-hmm. this person is like a of one of those business people, you know, the hustle and grind type people. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, that are like, read a book a day. I do it. And I'm like, eh, do you? <laughs> yeah. And is this book like 40 pages or yeah. is it, you know, because most books I read are at least 300 pages long. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's just no way I could do a book a day like that. Yeah. And I guess I was, so I was on that subject of like, okay, a couple of days ago, I was like, how do I read faster? Because I, mm-hmm. I, I want to read more books especially now that I have the time. So yeah. I went online and there was something that they talk about sub vocalizing, which is, I didn't, now some places say that there are people who kind of like mouth the words as they read. Mm-hmm. And there are other people that kind of like say the whole word in their mind as they read. And that okay. kind of slows you down. I'm just wondering, do you do that? Do you like in your mind, do you say the whole words out or not? I, not you know what? It's funny that you, like now that you've defined that, yeah, I do that in my mind. I definitely don't mouth the words. Okay. I, I'm like engrossed. There's no way my mouth is moving while I'm reading. <laughs> um, I can barely like snack while I read. Like okay. I'll have snacks with me, but sometimes I just get so pulled in that it's like I don't even – I'll ignore like, oh, I should eat dinner, but I'm like, this book is so good. I don't want to <laughs> get up and stop, so I'll just ignore my growling stomach. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely don't mouth the words, but I do – I do say them like in my head. So it's almost like I'm like reading a story to myself, if that makes sense. Yeah, because that's also what I do. But uh, maybe that's not the key. I'm trying to find a way. And it's kind of a bad thing. I also don't want to be a completionist. You know, I don't want to read books to read like for reading sake. Right. I I have a lot. I've been trying to read Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace for about five years. Wow. I just never... Like I've started it and it's just Mm -hmm. so daunting and it's so long and it's good, but I'm like, this is going to take me really long. (laughs) That's how I've, uh, I'd say that's probably that's what Anna Karenina is for me. Mm. I have started it so many times and just have never been able to like get a good chunk of it read. So anytime I attempt it, I just have to start all over because I'm like, it's been so long since I even tried. I don't even know. I wouldn't even know where to pick up. So I guess maybe it is genetic. I'm going to I'm I'm, I'm going to ask my parents how fast they read because um, Yeah, you should. Well, and you know what's interesting too is I read really quickly, but I sometimes I will have to tell myself to slow it down because I know I'm not retaining everything. Mm. So like when I go back to recall a book, like say a book that someone else has also read and they'll bring something up and I'm like, wait, when did, what part did that happen in? (laughs) So there is a downside I think to reading quickly is that you don't quite retain everything. So I'm a big rereader for that reason too, if it's a book I really loved. And so sometimes I'll be like, oh, I don't even remember this happening the first time. So you might retain more information. You might retain more of the book, not reading so speedily. Okay. Yeah. That's, there could be a pros and cons to it, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's a good way to look at it. But 
Have you found that your reading has gone, like, has it changed in right now that we have this shelter in place? Are you reading more or less or? So I thought for sure, like, oh, I'll be blowing through books because mm. I already like to read a lot. And now, like, I technically have more time to do so. But I think, too, my mind was just sort of all over the place with everything going on because, yeah. you know, it's like we're learning new information every day and then information is changing every day. Yeah. So it's like there's kind of a stress factor to that. And so for a while, I was like, it took me like a week to finish a book that I probably would have read in like two days. Mm. Um, and it was a book I was really looking forward to. So I was totally into the story. I just couldn't read for more than like an hour at a time, maybe. Mm. And so I was a little like disheartened, like, man, I thought I was gonna be able to be getting so much reading done. Um, but I so it was kind of less than for a while. And then I read I read this book and that was less than a week ago and I'm already on a, th a th th the third book since then. So it kind of <laughs> that in the fields, I don't know, it just kind of flipped a switch for me. And now yeah. I am on my third book since that one. Okay. No, I, I, I get you 100% because even things that I enjoy doing normally, I'm, mm -hmm. it's, it's weird to kind of do it in this, in this climate, right? Yeah. Even the things that served as an escape before kind of like, well, should I really be escaping? <laughs> That's kind of my, my thing. Yes. Like is like, and I think it's absolutely okay because you have to, at some point, you just need to give your mind and heart a rest. But mm. I also totally understand the perspective of like, I don't want to just bury my head in the sand either. Mm. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but I mean, as far as that goes, I don't think there's. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with reading a book, especially one as good as In the Fields. But <laughs> so at least now I'm really curious and I'm kind of glad that it's in uh, in the Kindle Unlimited because that means I can check it out. Yeah. Uh, and maybe I'll maybe I'll become a romance novel fan after all. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We would welcome you with open arms. <laughs> and if, if anyone says anything, I'll just be like, hey, you know, 1984 <laughs> is a romance novel. Just think about it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> all right. Well, Kristen, is there anything that you want to like a last parting thought about in the fields or about storytelling or anything that you would want to share with the audience? Um, just if you haven't, if you're if you don't consider yourself a reader, I always tell people like give it another shot because Really, it does. It's it. It can really serve as just like a relaxing kind of like I call it a mental vacation because if you can really get to a point where you just sit down and are able to kind of check out for even if it's just like a half hour at a time, an hour at a time, um, there's just something refreshing about being able to kind of escape reality for a little bit and kind of get buried in the pages. So, and whether that's you know nonfiction, fiction, romance, fantasy, you know whatever floats your boat, mm -hmm. just. I, I think now is a great time for people to uh, really give that a shot. Well, thanks so much, Kristen, for joining me and uh, talking with me about The Last Best Thing You've Read. Thank you for having me. The Last Best Thing is produced, recorded, and edited by me, Rodrigo Nunez. Special thanks once again to Kristen for joining me and talking about The Last Best Thing She's Read with me. You can find her on Twitter at JabberJaws. That's J-B-B-R-J-A-W-Z. And her podcast that she co-hosts with Ashley is called Dizzy for Dizzy. I'll put a link to her show on the show notes. So click there. If you want to hear more from her and Ashley talking about their favorite TV show or one of their favorites, it's they're, they're really, really good together. Um, thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this show, please review it on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. Share it with a friend and subscribe. 
Thanks, and we'll see you next time. This is the Irrelevant Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.